Hey legends, welcome back to the Watch Your Beef podcast. My guest on this pod is Josh Montero. You may know him from his barbecue restaurant, Cold-Blooded Griller, or some of the products that he has out there, such as Umami Bomb and Chang's Hot Sauce. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy. Any questions, feel free to hit me up on the Watch Your Beef Facebook page or Instagram. Otherwise, enjoy. Mate, very well, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> well, yeah, first and foremost, congratulations on your new daughter, mate. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. It's been um, it's been a pretty amazing time. Yeah, for sure. How you been? Uh, apart from being on daddy duties, um, how you been spending your isolation time? Dude, just cooking flat chat. What do you? Any, any spare time I've got in between baby time, I'm just cooking. Yeah, sick. What's on the menu tonight? Um, right now, I'm working some uh, beef short ribs into some Korean barbecue on the GA. Oh, stop it. Got a few prawns, doing a few different kimchi and a few different pickles and sides, little bean shoot salad. Amazing. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's rad. Last night, Annie cooked up um, your uh, katsu pork. Mate, I saw that. It looks fucking spot on. Oh, it was so good. Was yeah. Like what do you, what do you think of it? Yeah, oh, it was unreal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she did She did a great job. So. That's great. Yeah, no, that's good. How long How long does um, videos take you, take you to knock up? Uh, look, filming-wise, I'll probably be cooking for two hours, three hours, um, and then, shit, maybe four or five hours to edit. Yeah, wow. A lot of that time is rendering out, though. Yeah. So it's just sitting there ticking over. Rendering into um, HD. Yep. Yeah, cool. So you got a few of them um, coming out or playing with them? <laughs> hey, I'm going to keep smashing them out until I go back to work. So this yeah. weekend I've got a paella um, happening as well on the GA. Um, might do something on the Big Weber as well. A couple of steaks. We've got sushi tacos coming on the weekend as well. Um yeah, I think, and might do some normal tacos as well. Find some blue corn tortillas, get some soft shell crab, fry up some crab, make a couple of little chipotle mayos and some slaw and stuff. Yeah, that's so good. Delicious. That um, I, I'm I'm keen to try the uh, prawnberg. I, I love it at um. Oh, ah, prawnberg. You can do it oh, without the million bay bugs in it, but. Yeah, no, they looks looks insane. <laughs> sure, beautiful. A couple of people have cooked it already. Yeah, but I'm um, hope, I'm hoping for more. I'm hoping to get a little bit more traction on it, and people start, you know, cooking along, and then I'll bring them out even more. Yeah, rip then it. I might not even go back to work. I might just stay. Great <laughs> 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 content. Because <laughs> I've been loving it, dude. I've been absolutely loving the time at home. It's um, no work obligations or anything like that. Um, other than you know meeting it here and there, but um, yeah, it's been beautiful. Yeah, sweet man. So, how did you get into to barbecue? I guess that's sort of how we know each other. That's it, man. Well, look, it's not much of a story to be honest, dude. Like, I've been cooking for a long time. Um, had a couple of burger restaurants. 
and in my second burger restaurant, I've kind of um, got into the charcoal cooking, but not in the restaurant at home. Um, and then yeah. it turned into something a little bit more than that. So we kind of bought ourselves a little half tri-fire for the restaurant and started experimenting with, you know, smoked meats with burgers and smoked sides and stuff like that. But um, look, to be honest, I've, I've um, got a old Pro-Q from Boomer um, a long time ago, probably 2016 or something like that, I think. Um, and just yes. cooking sausages and chicken and short ribs and all sorts at home. And it's kind of just evolved from there. Yeah, right. So I reckon so many people got their start on like one of those bullets, like a Pro-Q or a um, Fornetto bullet. Yeah, dude, if, if that didn't, if that thing didn't rust out and completely die, I'd still be cooking on it. Yeah. They like definitely... I don't do any low and slow cooking on the, um, on the Weber. Um, I always used to do that on the Pro-Q. So now that's gone. I'm not really doing much long cooks, just more yeah, grilling sure. and, you know, some quick stuff like, uh, you know, lamb ribs and things like that that don't take so long. Yeah, right. They're just, I don't know, I, I find them really funny that they're just such consistent um, unit. Like you can just set them up and then they just do their they do that thing. Day. Yeah, as long as, you, as long as you've got your heat beads or your charcoal set up properly, you can basically rely on those things to, you know, keep within 20 Fahrenheit of whatever temp you start with. You know, you can duck out to the shops for a couple of hours come back and it'll still be sitting pretty yeah oh they're, yeah they're unreal so just to skip back a step yo so what was your so your restaurant now is cold-blooded griller yeah uh, which is in brighton in melbourne for people that aren't listening in um, victoria it certainly is what what was the other burger joints that you did that you had before cold-blooded griller because I, I haven't been to any of your other restaurants so i opened um, Easy's in Collingwood um, as the kitchen operations manager with a couple of mates. Um, we launched, opened, got the menu set up, and I kind of stepped back um, and focused more on Chang's Hot Sauce. Yep. This was back maybe 2013, 2014. Yeah, um, sure. And look, basically pushed the hot sauce pretty far, ended up being on the shelves in about 70 different venues around the country. Yeah, wow. Uh, and then... <laughs> Yeah, and the brand just kind of exploded. Um, there was a lot of interest in it. Uh, and then me and a, a mate decided to open Chang's Canteen. Yeah. My mate Tom. Um, we ran that. Where was that? That was Where in Elstonwick, so not far from Cold Blooded. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, and kind of, kind of, I mean, look, I'd, I'd like to think that Cold Blooded's a little bit, you know, on, on a different side of barbecue than uh, what Chang's Canteen was. But there's a couple of similarities there, and people kind of notice that, you know, we've carried over a little bit from what we put on there to Cold Butter Grill, which is kind of cool. It's, you know, for me, it's like, oh, you know, that's a guy from Chang's Canteen. That kind of pumps me up a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sick. So what was on the menu at, like, Chang's Canteen? Uh, Dude, we had a whole bunch of different burgers. It was mostly burgers. um, Yep. But we do some pretty cool sides as well, like pork chicharons with different seasonings. We did some smoked and fried wings. Um, back before a lot of people were doing them. Um, yes. some lamb croquettes. So we'd pull, pull some uh, smoked lamb, uh, turn them into croquettes. Um, there was a lot of technical stuff. It was sous vide stuff a lot. Um, we had a couple of items on there that people uh, kind of know from being from Chinese Canteen, like the chicken brick. Um, so there was a lot of technical skills that were put into some pretty basic food. Um, and that shone through just in the in the quality of the end product. 
um, which is why we got noticed a lot by media while we were there. Um, there was a pr- pretty a fair bit of hype around it, um, and people started to know the brand straight off the bat there. Yeah, rad. Oh, that's awesome. So after Chang's Canteen, that's when you opened up um, your restaurant now, Cold Blooded Griller. Dude, when I sold out of Chang's Canteen, I had a bit of a a bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a hospo break, um, and I yeah. kind of was aiming to continue that for a little bit longer, but um, I guess passion got the better of me uh, in some respects. Um, and I've kind of approached this restaurant that wasn't doing quite well um, with a, a concept that I thought, would, yep. you know, kind of really take off in the area. Um, something that was kind of missing from the food scene as well. Uh, a combination of quality smoked meats done almost in a traditional, you know, US fashion, but not with, without having to brand ourselves as a, you know, like a Texas smokehouse or a Southern this or, a, you know, any particular type of barbecue. So we put on a few burgers, did a whole bunch of different sides, um, and it's, you know, it's kicking along, doing pretty well. The menu is pretty cool. People really appreciate the food. Um, got a bunch of cool drinks on the on the menu as well, cocktails and whatnot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every, yeah, every time I go there, I get something, something different. Everything's been so good. But um, I still, the Cajun prawns that you have on that menu are just unreal. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're super good, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so did you... Did you train as a, a chef or did you? No, no. Nah, I mean, look, I've always been around food. Um, my uncle owned a hatted restaurant on Bridge Road um, where well, back, you know, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Right. Um, and I used to be hanging around the kitchen and hanging around front of house. And then he opened a bar on Chapel Street, which was called Blue Bar. I'm pretty sure it's still yep. there. Um, he opened that when I was in primary school and I kind of got, got around the kitchen and started pouring drinks and hanging out doing that. Uh, my first actual paid job was at a chicken shop down the end of my street. Um, you know, obviously started just washing dishes and stuff, but I got a bit passionate about cooking the chicken and whipping up all the different salads and stuff. A lot, you know, hands-on food prep kind of stuff. Um, and then in and out of kitchens, basically my whole career. Um, but I've done it all, mate. I've, you know, been a, Apprentice carpenter. I've worked in automotive, uh, worked in retail, um, management in telecommunications, traveling over to the Philippines to train people in call centers over there and um, a whole bunch of different stuff, man. But at the moment, it's more, you know, marketing events, PR, launching my own brands, um, focusing on a little bit of hospitality, contemplating buying a food truck um, in the next couple of months. But, you know, who knows where that can end up. Oh, man. Man, that's an epic list of, of uh, roles and jobs. I oh, do. There's more. <laughs> that was just a couple off the top of the dome, man. Like, yeah, um, I've been well, 36 now. I've been working since I was about 14. So, um, and kind of never really stuck to anything past where I felt like I'd taken it up from a role. Yeah. So I didn't kind of tie myself down to a particular industry um, and just work away. I kind of said, look. I think I've learned enough here or I've got as far in this business as I think that I can. Uh, then I'll roll on and go do something else, try something else, pick up different skills along the way. Yeah, nice. Man, that must be one hell of a resume that you've got. <laughs> I don't, you know what, dude? Like, I, haven't, I haven't really needed a resume for probably like a good you know, six, seven, eight years or something like that. And it's just I kind of – I'd rather just walk in and talk about myself yeah, as, sure. As weird as that sounds, like I'd rather just go in and explain why I've been here and what I've picked up from here, and you know why I left this place because it's it's a lot to put on paper. Probably about yeah. you know, 20, 
twenty five jobs, different jobs over over the last twenty years or whatever. Yeah, for sure. No, that's crazy. So, um, I guess a lot of people would know a lot of the products that you've got out on the market. Um, and you sort of talked about Chang's before. Like, I think a, a lot of people know the Chang's hot sauce range, but you've also got um, stuff like Amami Bomb. Yep. Stuff like yep. that. Um, where did where did all that start? Like, I guess, where, where did your passion come from for, yeah, getting into hot sauces and seasonings and, I guess, stuff for people to cook with at home? Just, look, it was a passion project. Each one of them have been a passion project that I've started, you know, making – mucking around at home um and then obviously want to share that stuff with the boys and you know majority of the time they're like dude you should sell this and that's how it started with the hot sauce took a hot sauce to work i was actually doing high-rise window cleaning at the time with a mate um took some of the boys at work and they're like mate you should think about bottling this and selling it and within two weeks i think i got a recipe down bought a bunch of bottles got a label sorted out and um started bottling up and same, look, same with the umami bomb. That's been a passion project. It was just kind of a seasoning that I wanted to make like an all-round flavor enhancer. And I was mucking around with recipes at home, and it ended up being a thing. Got a label done, bought a stack of bottles, and started selling it. Built myself a website, did all the branding and everything myself as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you just like DIY everything, don't you? Like the whole stage of a production. Yeah, you've <laughs> pretty much. Figure I mean, <laughs> look, 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 just for example, with things like Umami Bomb, it's like branding, marketing, PR, social media, uh, recipes, and all the social media content I like to create myself, which is why I started yeah. getting into those you know, little videos and stuff like that. I've kind of self-taught myself on the software just to make interesting and different content and not have to fork out an arm and a leg for it because you're paying – you know, respectively, someone probably two hundred bucks an hour to do to yeah. put that kind of content together, um, and it's just I'd, I'd much prefer to do it all myself. So, any spare time I've had between my full time role and the restaurant and other jobs that I've picked up along the way, um, I basically spend creating content for my brands. Yeah, wow, mm. that's that's so it's so awesome though. Like the fact that you run every pretty much every stage of the brand. I manufacture the shit by hand as well. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's I'm sitting there making and labeling by hand. A lot of, a lot of the other guys, which is smart. I mean, look, if, you, if you've got the capital outlay and don't have the time, um, it's probably yeah. smart to get it manufactured for you. It's depending on what scale, you know, you're selling at. But, um, you know, the scale that I'm selling, I can comfortably make it at home. Um, you know, my, my mommy bomb pretty easily if I wanted to, but generally made in a, in a commercial kitchen, you know, 100 shakers at a time takes me a couple of hours and that's it. And then I'm stocked for the week. Yeah, right. Yeah, perfect. Man, um, so something that you've sort of done before and I get, I've, I've been wanting to know about is you did like a Izakaya pop-up um, out at the Boneyard last year. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I, I was just wondering if, if that's – Obviously, once all this uh, Rona, yep. COVID nineteen stuff sort of <laughs> the dissipates, and we're all uh, back in the uh, back in the regular world. Yeah, um, is that something that um, you'd ever consider doing again? Dude, doing pop ups and I've I've actually done three of them. So the first one was at the Boneyard um, yep. over two nights. Uh, the second one was at Cold Butter Griller, 
um, which was a pretty big one. Had about 45, 50 people, um, you know, set menu, six courses, 120 bucks a head with drink pairing. Um, the third one I did just a little ramen night uh, with some takawasa, so some lightly smoked octopus, raw basically, um, and some sashimi kingfish. So I've done three, um, and the plan was I had a trip booked to Japan uh, mid-Feb and coming back mid-March. Um, obviously, that got cancelled due to the Ronas, but my plan was to go over there, work a stack of hours, you know, every day that I was there. It wasn't a, a fun trip, going to the snow, snowboarding or anything. It was more get stuck in the <laughs> kitchens, um, learn some of the tricks behind, you know, some of the processes with ramen broths and a lot of stuff like that. Obviously, you need a lot more than a month to kind of pick those skills up. You've got people working in sushi that spend five years cooking rice before they even get to pick up a knife. So, um, but I did want to spend that month over there exploring food, working in food, um, and come back and open up a Japanese joint, and which th- that was planned for mid year. Um, unfortunately, yep. I didn't get that trip to Japan. Um, so I've kind of put that on the back burner for the time being. But you know, as I mentioned before, contemplating looking at a food truck um, and then ultimately just doing whatever cuisine I want whenever I want. Um, yeah, the the sure. food scene is going to tra- change drastically coming out of this um, with everyone, you know, so. I guess, acclimatised to having delivery services and not having to leave the house. Um, so, you know, my worst fear is probably that dining will be completely dead once, you know, once we all go back because obviously the restrictions aren't all going to be lifted at once. Yep. So gradually easing into that. So the food truck's probably a good option for me to be able to obviously trade wherever I want, whenever I want. Um, I can park it out in front of my house um, and just do delivery and Uber Eats and whatever but obviously focus on, you know, when we're allowed to have more than two people in a square metre, um, focus on yeah. uh, events and uh, festivals and things like that. But basically just have some pretty simple branding that doesn't tie myself to any particular cuisine um, and just do, you know, do what I, I feel like I do best and just wing it, you know. Like a lot yeah, of my, sure. my stuff, I wouldn't call it fusion, but it's not traditional Japanese or when I'm cooking Vietnamese, it's not super traditional um, it's just my take on what I what ingredients I think work with those flavors, which is a something I could definitely get away with in a food truck for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and that would be sort of tied up to like Uber Eats or Menu Log. Uh, look, I, it depends. You know, there's going to be a few different services coming out of this mess um, that are probably asking for a little bit less commission than your Uber Eats and your Deliveroo. Um, so, working yep. with whoever is going to be delivering my food the cheapest. Um, and I'll basically just either park it outside my house or park it on, you know, a, a, a vacant lot, like a, you know, car park or something like that, like you see the kebab vans. Um, yeah, yeah. And basically <laughs> smash it out. And even, even open the takeaway, like the kebab vans, um, but have something completely niche that you don't find, you know, like on the side of the road. You, you know, you're never going to find a little izakaya, kind of Japanese little bar on the side of a road coming out of a food truck. But, you know, it's, it's obviously possible. You know, grab like maybe... 10, 15, port- like little fold-up chairs and a couple of tables and, you know, set up a tiny little restaurant outside the van. Yeah, right. That sounds so sick. <laughs> yeah, I became, dude, I, I became for it. But, you know, this is a lot of stuff swirling around in my brain since we've been locked down. It's just, I, can, I can't, can't really turn it off. It's just all business-related. I'm like, dude, what can I do, you know, this year? What can I do with this? And um, yeah. we'll see how it goes. I mean, I've got a few people interested in jumping on board, um, you know, fund, funding-wise and, I guess the sky's the limit, man. See what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. So I guess you sort of um, just talking about um, restrictions lifting off, um, I guess, the COVID-19 um, stuff that we're going through right now. Yeah. And obviously so much uncertainty. But obviously your business, Cold-Blooded Griller, um, is a dining restaurant that obviously has had to um, evolve and yeah. and sort of work work within it. What what's been like the biggest hurdles about owning, yeah, a restaurant or a barbecue um, restaurant with like in this time? Obviously, there's mm. there's the really obvious mm. ones of just having no people <laughs> being able to go to your restaurant. That's the main that's but, the main issue there, dude. I mean. It all kind of it all kind of stems back from that. Um, look, realistically, I'm I'm paying rent for ninety seats, um, and nobody's sitting in them. Yeah. If I was paying rent just for the kitchen, it'd be I'd be trading okay. But um, you know, seeing a already like 40 percent drop in revenue um, since lockdown, and even even after the bushfires, like after the bushfires, we kind of felt felt it a little bit with people who didn't want to spend money, people who'd already spent a lot of money on bushfire relief and um, it did get pretty quiet and then started yeah. to pick up again and then all of a sudden this this shit happened and um, yeah, so just p- paying for a whole restaurant but it's not trading um, and getting stung by these delivery companies, you know, 30% um, of our revenue that go through them, they'll, they'll take a commission of 30%. So it's just um, it's a bit of a nightmare to be honest, dude. But um, they're surviving. Um, I'm just in negotiation yeah. with the landlord at the moment. I'm trying to get a, a freeze on the rent so we can come out of it on the other side and, you know, still maintain our relationship with the landlord. Uh, because if, you know, look, if it keeps going the way that it is for a little bit longer than it's looking like it will, then we probably yeah. won't come out the other side trading still, <clears throat> which means that, yep. look, potentially due to the circumstances, we might be able to break the lease without any financial obligation. Yep. But who knows where that could lead us. But look, ultimately, we're, we're discussing at the moment um, shutting there, shutting in Brighton because it's such a big restaurant yep. and moving it somewhere a little bit smaller. But I won't go too far into that. But um, yeah, sure. it's fine. It's, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's in discussion, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. So were you doing takeaway and deliveries prior to all this COVID stuff? Yeah, dude, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, was that... Um, with um, delivery companies, it or was, was that yeah. That you sort of logistically, yeah. it's pretty pretty unmanageable. Depending on obviously depending on how busy you are, but um, to get your own drivers in and to keep them productive, yeah, sure. to make sure that they're focused on driving food around. But obviously, when it's quiet, they've got other stuff to do. So that's look, it's pretty hard. Plus, setting up your own application for people to order on. Um, it's obviously you're not going to get as much views and as much people on there um, traffic-wise as your Deliveroo or your Uber Eats. So, it's, you know, they've got a really strong foothold in the market where <clears throat> basically venues are forced to go with them. Otherwise, no one's going to order from them. It's either you're, yeah, it's either right. you're on the app or you're, or you're sinking, basically. Yeah, right. See, I suppose it has that name recognition, doesn't it? Yeah. People just yeah. go to straight up. Yeah, right. Um, so recently you did a GoFundMe page to provide meals for people who can't afford it at this That's time it, dude. because you're such a legend. Um, how did that go and how many people do you reckon you'll be able to feed with, um, I guess, um, 
donations and what you've been able to establish? So look, I, I raised about three grand in about a week, which is absolutely massive. And I just want to put a massive thank you out there to all the people who are listening that did donate um, and did help me out. We've got Dan Greenwood who jumped in the kitchen with me um, for a day just to whip some food out. Uh, but basically, I started doing that when uh, COVID wasn't as bad as it, as it was, as it is now. Um, so I, yeah. I basically started to self-isolate um, shortly after launching that um, and found a group of people um, who I could donate the rest of the money to um, who would continue yeah. on with, with um, obviously, feeding, feeding the needy. Um, so there's a go on, yeah. on my go. It wasn't even a GoFundMe page. It was a Facebook Facebook donation page. But on there, there's information about where the money went. Um, and the guys that took it on are doing an absolutely massive, massive job. They're, you know, feeding 800 people a week. Um, they've had about another 25, 30 grand worth of donations. Um, from yeah, wow. of the three grand that I I gave them to begin with. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man. Like so many industries, obviously through this COVID. Time has just been so hard hit. Like, obviously, the hospitality industry has been brought to its yeah. knees, but also like the arts. Yeah, like arts, it's, events. Yeah. Um, obviously, the airlines yeah. are really feeling it. Um, any anything related to travel and tourism is obviously a big one as well, which is kind of, I mean, directly linked to hospitality as well. But um, yeah, definitely the arts and events, and um, there's a lot of people hurting right now, dude. Um, it's not. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's uh, not fun to look around and see all these different people in different industries um, absolutely hurting. Um, even sports, you've got, yeah, sure. you know, I've, I've got a little cafe um, at AFL House uh, just in the foyer there, so I make coffees for all the staff there. Um, and, you know, obviously we had to close that cafe when all the staff was, uh, had to go work from home. But seeing a yeah. lot of their staff, so they've got about 400 people down there, um, seeing a lot of their staff being made redundant through um, the restrictions being put in place was pretty scary as well. Yeah, sure. So it's yeah, it's um. Look, if you if you're not affected by this and you've still got work, you um you're doing really well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're huh? Doing real well. <laughs> um, anyway, we might move on to some lighter. Yeah, lighter, uh, I'm stuff. not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, so when was your first barbecue comp that you attend? You attended? Oh, um, was a small one at the Q Club, queuing the queuing the club. Yeah, um, I went down. Just to get some content through Mami Bomb, um, so I flew flew my drone around, took some pictures, uh, had a few beers, um, met a few of the boys that I hadn't met before, but obviously spoken to online pretty regularly. Uh, that was about it, and I was kind of kind of hooked. It was a whole bunch of people cooking and having a laugh and drinking beers, and it was um that's kind yeah. of my jam, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, mate, that's, that's why we're besties, Dom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you did your first uh, full weekend away at a barbecue comp at Meat Man. Yes, up in Horsham. Yeah. And it was cold yeah. as how did you find cold that? as shit. How, how did you find your first barbecue road trip? Oh, the road trip was fun. Um, if you obviously yeah. who did you speak to? You spoke to Jai or something, one of those boys, and. They would have told you that I was in and out of the car taking a piss every half an hour. <laughs> but I smashed a quite a quite a large amount of beers on the way up there. Um, but it was it was great, you know, just hanging out with the boys, having a drink, having a laugh, and it's all focused on food as well. So it's basically just my element. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm cut out for competition barbecue, but um, 
I love the circuit. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Ever, it's all about the circuit. <laughs> about so, at every barbecue club, and every team has their own playlist yeah. and, and um, their own jams that they like to um, compete with. Uh, what would your ultimate song that must be on everybody's playlist be at comp? Oh, dude, I listen to way too much different music. I, I like a bit of Nirvana at the moment. Yeah. Um, Unplugged in New York. Uh, the Man Who Sold the World is probably the jam that I'm on at the moment quite regularly. Yeah, that's a banger. And that's, that's it's a David Bowie, David Bowie cover. And I've been watching Ozark yeah. um, and it, it oh, popped yeah. up in one of the episodes. Um, they were playing a little acoustic version of it on the guitar and it's like I kind of got blown away by that scene and now I've, I think I've listened this is probably a week ago and I've probably listened to it about a hundred times <laughs> since then and I'm yeah, about wow. to go out and get a guitar and start playing guitar again yeah oh, that's brilliant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a little uh, segment called the five on five boom so it's just five questions. They have five answers to each question. Yep. So first question I got for you. Rank in order the five best burgers you've ever had. Holy eaten. shit, five is big. Um, Bell's Hot Chicken. In Bell's Hot Chicken in America? No, in here. I've, I've never been to the States. Oh, yeah, in Yeah, Melbourne. in Melbourne. So Bell's Hot Chicken, Hot Chicken Sandwich. Um, it's my favourite. A lot of people reckon it's shit, but um, it's probably my favourite. Um, can't go past yeah, a double quarter pounder with a steamed bun from Macca's. I'll put that yeah. in number. I'm going to yeah. put that in number two. In a steam, steam bun. bun. Hang on. In a quarter steam pounder, steamed bun. No worries. So that's that's probably my number two. Um, we yeah. used to have a burger on the menu at Chang's Canteen, which my ex business partner developed um, with a mate of ours, which was called a truffle mushroom burger. It had fried um, enoki mushrooms on it. It was a double patty with cheese, a mushroom ketchup, uh, and a truffle and roast garlic aioli. And that thing was the boss. It was an absolute gem. Um, hang on a minute. A mushroom? Mushroom ketchup. ketchup. Mate, he's, he's, he's still there. He's still trading, and he's still got that burger on. Uh, and if you haven't had it before, it's an absolute must-eat. And I know for a fact that there'll be a bunch of people listening to this um, who would have had that burger and who will – Definitely agree with me. Yeah. And actually, they'd probably tell me to put it in number one, but um, <laughs> it's not my burger anymore, so we'll put it in number three. <laughs> yeah, sick. What's number four? Oh. Number four is a burger that I've been eating recently. Um, it's a double smash patty burger from Patty Smith's. Patty Smith's are a um, little franchise. There's one across the road from my new joint. Um, and I don't mind them. They're actually pretty damn good. Yeah, right. So... Does that mean there's a Patty Smith? No, nah, there's a Patty. There's a Patty Smith here. I'm, I'm living in Cheltenham at the moment. There's one oh, across okay, the road. Yeah, cool. and I've been eating that. It's pretty good. Um, and then number five, I'm gonna say the Rowdy Double from Easy's is probably my number five. Where's Where's Easy's? Easy's? They got a They got a, um, their flagship restaurant in Collingwood on uh, Easy Street, which is just off Smith Street. Uh, and they've yep. got a kitchen at the Emerson, a kitchen at the bottom end um, where Bubble used to be. I don't know if you're familiar with Bubble Nightclub, but <laughs> that's where that is. Um, and they've got a couple of other little joints as well. 
Yeah, right. I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> but that's that's my top five burgers, I reckon. Without thinking Brilliant. too far into it, and without putting my own burgers in there. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, what are your top five dishes to cook? Your own dishes. Ramen. I'd put in number one. Yeah. So I do a non-traditional, kind of like a signature broth that I do. Um, I've just recently started putting smoked pig's heads uh, in with smoked bones as well. Um, ramen is probably number one. Number two, um, Chinese food, like Chinese takeaway food. So like your beef and black bean, your sweet and sour pork, um, you know, picking duck and all that kind of shit. That would be number two for cooking. Uh, Number three is burgers, all different types of burgers. Just basically what I would consider as a burger is um, a protein with some other shit in between two buns. So I like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, back off the top of my head, um, paella. Yeah. Um, and then Mexican. Right. What's, a, what sort of Mexican? Like, nah, authentic, not authentic. Mexican, like, like Mexican. Home cooking Mexican. So just, you know, jam a bunch of stuff inside a tortilla. <laughs> cook a few different things and put them on top of some corn chips and put them in the oven. Um, enchiladas, burritos, all that type of dead. Yeah. But not super traditional, yeah. not like your yeah, tacos well, al pastor or anything like that. It's more just rocking out with the flavors, rocking out with the Mexican flavors. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, that sounds unreal. What's, um, I'm, I'm hanging for your paella video. That's going to come this weekend. Not- that's going to happen this weekend. Because I knocked one out the other, I knocked one out the other. That way. looked grouse. That looked absolutely amazing. Right. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I couldn't get the right rice. What did you I use? Ended up just using yeah, Borio. Borio. Borio is fine, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, no, nah, that's, that's what I'll be. That's what I'll be using this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, rad. <laughs> All right. So we talked about your ultimate song um, before that must be on everyone's yep. playlist at a comp. But what are your top five songs to get the party started? Ooh. So Friday night at a comp. What are you? What are your uh, top five songs to get the party started? Or the Mate, mood going? let's go and have a quick look in my most played songs. All right, I'm, I'm ready right. to take a deep dive. Baby Blue by Action Bronson with Chance the Rapper. Yeah, get onto I've, it. I haven't heard that one. I've get onto it. <laughs> Let me just say up Spotify. Uh, dude, if you go to if, <laughs> look, I'll, I'll tell everyone now. If you go to Spotify um, and search Umami Bomb Radio, there is an ultimate playlist of all my jams, my favorite jams, mostly hip hop. But um, there's some there's some bangers in there. Um, next one would be Bad Bad Whiskey by Homebrew. He's a Kiwi rapper. Tom Scott was his name. He's absolutely yep. amazing. Probably one of my favorite rappers of all time. Um, to be honest. And then next I'll put Protect Your Neck by Wu-Tang. Um, pretty yeah. classic one there. Uh, and then... A few moments later. The last song. I'm going to... I'm a bit stuck, man. Um... I'll tell you what song that I've been listening to and Annie put it on to me the other day. Go for it. Banger, is Go West by The Village People. Dude, I don't mind a bit of village people. Yeah, back I'm, in the I'm day, back in the day, it was it was obscure because it was a very, you know, well, back when I was young, 
and listening to it. It was more of a, a gay boy song. And yeah. back then, it wasn't as acceptable as it is now to be listening to that kind of music. Yeah, right. But um, I, I fucking love it. I love it. Yeah. I love the Pooch Shop Boys and all sorts, oh, yeah. of, <laughs> all sorts of all sorts of uh, all sorts of those musics. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, now you've made a hell of a lot of hot sauce in your time. Oh, tons and tons and tons of it, dude. What are What are your top five hot sauces that you've ever had? That I've ever had. That you've ever had. Whoa. Um. I'm a big fan of Blair's Death Sauce. Now, a lot of people will tell you how bad the sauce is, flavor-wise, but yeah. there's something nostalgic about it. It's probably one of the first times I ever had something really, really hot. Yeah, right. Um, maybe it's nostalgia. I'm not sure what it is, but I love the stuff. And I know it, do- it doesn't taste very good, but I can't get enough of it. Um, but they've got a sauce called Pure Death, which is not an extract sauce. Um, so it yep. doesn't have that chemical flavor to it. It's um, a ghost pepper sauce. And it's absolutely delicious. So, yeah, Blair's Pure Death Ghost Pepper Sauce is probably number one. Yep. Um, number two, I'm going to put Chang's Hot Sauce Trinidad Scorpion, Yellow uh, yellow 7 Trinidad Scorpion in number two. Um, if you haven't had it, go to changshotsauce.com.au um, and grab a bottle if they've still got it in stock. Uh, it's a great sauce. Um Number three is um, Dan Barrett's Four Monkeys uh, limited edition um, cayenne pepper hot sauce. That stuff is the absolute jam. If you haven't had that, get onto it. Um, Tabasco in number four. Classic. Just, classic just, just Tabasco. As an absolute classic. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go to my cupboard right now and I'll open. I've got about maybe 50 different types of hot sauce in there. Um, and I will grab Adobo Loco um, Fire Fire, which is a scorpion four-pepper sauce blend, which is still pretty hot, but she's absolutely yeah. delicious. Adobo Loco are out of um, Hawaii, and they make some of the, the best hot sauces that there are. They've got a, probably a range of about 10 different sauces. And you can get all of these hot sauces, <laughs> maybe not all the ones I've listed, but from uh, Matt's Hot Shop. Um, so give that, give that a Google. He's, he's a mate of mine. Um, he's got a little subscription uh, hot sauce website where you can basically buy any hot sauce in the world that's all natural. Um, and he's constantly adding um, adding sauces to it. A lot of them are um, frequently on the hot ones, um, yeah. Corn Evans. Um, but, he yeah, he's, he's great. Matt's great. He's, he does a little stall um, that you've probably seen at a couple of markets and festivals. Uh, he was meant to be at Meatstock. Um, obviously, meat stock got cancelled, um, and then he came to the Q Club and he was going to set up a little store there on the Friday, but um, didn't get around to it. But um, if you're into hot sauces, definitely hit up Matt's Hot Shop. Matt's Hot Shop. Matt's Hot Shop. Right on. Yeah, right yeah. on. Yeah, sick. So um, now you sort of mentioned before that um, you're planning before the Rona hit, you're planning on heading off to Japan. That's it. To, to go and hang out and get some uh, inspiration from, um, yeah, I guess cooking inspiration over there. Yeah. Look, what are what are the top five things on your bucket list to do in Japan? Anywhere. To do anywhere. To do anywhere. I want to jump out of a helicopter on a on a snowboard. Yeah. That's if you know if going off the top of my head, that's probably number one. <laughs> 
Um, so any anywhere in particular you'd want to do it? I uh, wouldn't be able to tell you, man. I haven't snowboarded anywhere except for Buller and uh, Hotham. Oh yeah, and it's been a long time. But um, cool. So anywhere apart from Australia is probably one. <laughs> uh, probably Japan, I reckon. Yeah, Japan's sick to ski. In the out in the in the, in the, the back country or whatever you want to call it, off piece. Yeah. Get on a helicopter, jump out, um, do some snowboarding. Um, yeah. I'll tell two. you a cool place to go. Yeah. If you could ever do it. Do it in the Italian Dolomites. In the it's what? Like the most Italian Dolomites, okay. like Northern Italy. Dolomites was um, awesome. Dolomites was a bank account when I was in primary school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I used to have a Dolomites account. Did you? <laughs> probably, yeah. probably a lot, um, a lot different from what I had. I think I'm a bit older than you are. Yeah, that's right. What else? Six. So, what else is on your bucket list? I don't know. Have more kids. Have a whole stack of kids, yeah. man. <laughs> being, a, being a dad is big is a big part of my life. I'm very very hands on as well as a father as well. Um, yeah. I absolutely love my kids and hanging out doing stuff with the kids. So probably have more kids is on my bucket list, but don't tell the wife that. <laughs> <laughs> Just have like a Tarago and like yeah, pop out. <laughs> That's it. Um, I want to open up a Japanese restaurant. I'll probably put that in number one. On my bucket list. Yeah. That's like, I'll, I'll transfer that back up to number one and push the rest is, of them back. Is Japanese food your favorite cuisine? It is. It is, definitely. Um, I've been eating it since I was really young. We used to, um, you know, my family's all about food and all about food culture. So we used to eat a lot on Victoria Street when I was growing up. So basically uh, yeah. from I was, when I was born and um, we'd, you know, move across from, Vietnamese to Japanese and Chinese and whatever else you can get your hands on there. But Japanese is always just something that stood out to me. Um, I've always enjoyed eating raw fish um, and just, I guess, my palate has always been accustomed to umami flavors um, over the years as well. So um, I love cooking it as well. It's a, you know, there's some technical stuff that you can do with Japanese food that you can't really do in any other types of cuisine. Um, I don't like to stick to the traditional Methods of cooking Japanese. I like to put my twist on it. Um, so yeah, yeah, Japanese is my favourite. Yeah, nice. Yeah. nice. Well, we're missing one. We're missing one. Bucket list. We got one more. Bucket list. Bucket list. I want to upgrade my electric scooter. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Something, to something that goes like super <laughs> fast though. Like I've got this one going about thirty k's an hour at the moment. Thirty three, thirty four k's an hour. But yeah, I want along. Hey. <laughs> That's humming along. Yeah, but I want to get something that goes like 60. Yeah, wow. Like live real dangerously, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sick. Has Jai, got, has Jai bought a scooter now? Not yet, but he's um he's definitely been researching. Definitely been researching. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I, I might, um, yeah, maybe when I get a job eventually, I might. might Join the scooter game. Yeah, it might Join the scooter game. Join the scooter game. Mate, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, you mentioned it before, um, but where did the phrase "catch you on the circuit" come from? It's become a bit of a motto of uh, a lot of the Victorians. Um, Man, it's it's of- spread it's spread like absolute wildfire. <laughs> it's weird. I've, I've like I've, I've seen a lot of people that I've never even met before, like saying catch on the circuit and I'm just like, wow, that's 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 actually a thing. Um <laughs> it did it started at um two in the slot. Two 
I said to Jeff before I'd left, because I've known Jeff for quite a, a number of years now, um, just through obviously barbecue and um, through having the restaurant. But um, I said to Jeff, I'm like, oh, look, I'm, I'm about to leave, man, but I'll, um, I'll catch you on the circuit. He's like, what? I was like, I'll catch you on the circuit. And he goes, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, isn't that what you call it? Like the barbecue circuit? Like it's competition? He goes, dude, nah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I basically, I just looked at him and there was a couple of other people around, um, Dan Greenwood, Jai as well, Jai Healy and uh, maybe Juzzy as well. And they all just looked at me and went, that's not a thing, dude. I'm like, mate, that is a fucking thing. And this is my like, first barbecue comp, first time I met a bunch of these people. I was like, I'll tell you now, next, by the next time I see you, catch you on the circuit will be a thing. And um, I kind of just embedded it into every conversation I had with anyone about barbecue. I was like, <laughs> like sign off, but yeah, catch you on the circuit, mate. <laughs> 12 months later, catch you on the circuit. It's just like... That's it. Right. That's, the, that's the phrase, mate. That's the phrase. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. It's so, a thing. So, um, at the end of this year, if you could imagine any anything, what would be your most outrageous barbecue headline for 2020? That there'll be an actual competition before the end of the year? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's pretty outrageous. <laughs> yeah, that's outrageous. Because <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, dude, which is really unfortunate. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people who spend a lot of time about something they're super passionate about and they're not able to do it. You know, they're being told, um, sorry, mate, but you can't, you can't do that thing that you love. Uh, and it's just, it's kind of upsetting to see, man, to be honest. But I think there's not going to be another barbecue competition in its, you know, in, in its usual way before the end of the year. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's sort of the reality we're looking yeah. at at the moment. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet, man. So my final question, and I try and ask, um, guests on the podcast, um, a question called "What's Your Beef?" Yeah, man. So, my "What's Your Beef?" question is: What's your beef with chicken burgers without cheese? You really, you really want to mess with me, don't you? you really want to hit, hit, hit a nerve? Now, I've de- now I've definitely got beef. <laughs> What's my beef? What's my beef? Um. Uh, let's, let's take it back to 1995, maybe 1996, and I'm eating McChicken burgers from McDonald's with um, and I'd ask for cheese on it, and I've eaten cheese on chicken burgers ever since then, and I just I do not like a chicken burger without cheese on it. <laughs> That's fair. So it's, been, it's deep, deeply rooted in in the history of you know my eating career is to have cheese on a fried chicken, and anyone that doesn't Agree with that. I've got beef with you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't seen, I've actually just brought out a, a T-shirt um, that says needs more cheese on it inside a burger, <laughs> um, which obviously stems from all of the boys hanging shit on me for putting cheese on chicken burgers because it's a very traditional American way to eat a fried chicken sandwich is to not have cheese on it. And I think that's where a lot of people get this idea where they think that fried chicken doesn't belong with cheese in between two buns, but it actually does. It's a match made in heaven. Absolute harmony. No, I'm, I'm with you. I actually purchased, I got one of the t-shirts. Oh, brilliant. Also, brilliant. Also, <laughs> yeah, I'm all for uh, 
cheese on a cheese on a chicken. Needs more cheese, baby. Needs more cheese. <laughs> Always more cheese. <laughs> Sweet man. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for joining me on the uh, Watch Your Beef podcast, man. Appreciate it. No dramas, dude. Hopefully, it's been a pleasure. Um, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I can speak to you face to face. Oh, dude, I'd love a cuddle. Then. I'd love a cuddle. <laughs> I'd love to give you a cuddle. Oh, it'd be really nice, wouldn't it? Soon, very soon. I'll have I'll have very you and Nanny over for um for a dinner here, and you can come and meet the kid. Yes, love that. I'd love to, I'd love to have you guys over. That'd be so awesome, man. That'd be great. Uh, well, appreciate it. No worries, well, uh, dude. Good luck with dinner tonight, man. And thanks again. Thanks, dude. I'll chat to you soon. See ya. See ya. Stood in the door of that shack and his beard and his hair was long and black and he was the biggest man I'd ever seen. When he spoke, his voice was low and deep, but he just didn't frighten me because somehow I just knew he wasn't me. He said, what you doing snooping around my place? And I saw a 